0: Sunday Surefire Podcast. I'm your host, the Commission. Joining me today is the co-host Aaron Downtown Brown. Hey. hey. And Ethan Weaver.
1: Commission, how we doing?
0: Hanging in there, fellas. Doing pretty well. Uh training camp is now well underway for every team in the league. So a lot of fun stuff to catch up on there. Uh, for us here, we're continuing our trip around all the divisions. We're gonna be starting out with the AFC North here. Uh, so a lot to cover there. Just gonna couple just going to rattle off a couple of quick news items here right off the top. We're going to start with Tim Patrick, who, quite frankly, really just can't catch a break on the injury front. Suffered a torn Achilles in training camp and will miss the entire 2023 campaign. Of course, this comes on the heels of a training camp injury last season, a torn ACL that forced him to miss the entirety of the 2022 season. Overall, just a really tough blow for a receiver entering his age 30 season. You never really know what the long-term future is going to hold for him. So we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed that he can get back on a football field someday. But back-to-back major injuries for a guy getting up there in age already. So tough news there. And speaking of the Broncos receiver room, KJ Hamler is also going to miss some time with a heart condition. The team is optimistic that they can reassign him at some point. Down the road, next few weeks, maybe in the coming months, who knows? Um, but a scary situation, nonetheless. We'll hope hope that he can resume his playing career, uh, quick sooner rather than later. So, it's just a tough room, tough break, tough week, really for the Broncos receivers. Maybe it opens the door for more Suttons to filter to Jerry Judy. Quentin Sutton, or maybe even the rookie Marvin Mims, Mims is the biggest benefactor of this injury news. So we'll keep you guys posted with any, any uh, training camp reports out of Denver and everywhere else around the league. And then one last situation to touch on here is the the more of the running back conversation. And We won't rehash that entire conversation that we we've, we've had over recent weeks, but you know, Jonathan Taylor is the newest player to voice some frustration with his situation. He's actually requested a trade after some back and forth with Colts management, including owner Jim Irsay. Uh, if there was ever a player in today's game that should be getting paid as a run the running back position, it should be Jonathan Taylor, who's been productive in his in his couple years in the NFL. Just 24 years old and only 860 career touches on his frame, he's definitely a guy that you know should be v- valuable to NFL teams. Definitely another situation to monitor going forward because you know, Taylor is the type of player who's in the prime of his career, and him moving teams could really shift kind of the landscape of fantasy football at least for 2023. And so if he changes teams, we'll definitely be right on that news, letting you know where he's going and, and the fantasy fallout of such a move if it were to take place. But for now, we're just going to kind of be in a holding pattern um, on JT, and we'll keep more breaking news coming as it comes along to us. But we have a lot to cover in the AFC North, so we'll start there. We're, start, we're starting with studs here. We'll then transition to busts, uh, guys that we don't necessarily like at their ADP, sleepers, guys that we think are undervalued at their current draft position, and then some dynasty stashes, guys that are good for – you know, maybe parking on a taxi squad or in a bench spot somewhere deep in a dynasty roster to to hang on to for the future. For the studs, busts, and sleepers, we're going to be using Fantasy Pro's half-point average draft position or ADP to kind of th- just let you know where these guys are going in early August drafts and just kind of let you know what the price points are on them. So you give us a little more context as to where they fit in into the stud, sleeper, or bust categories. But we'll start with the high-profile studs here um i'll throw it out to you fellas here who wants to lead us off here who wants to talk about their stud in the afc north
2: i'll um i'll kick it off here I'll, I'll i'll start with my stud and i'll make it short and sweet um i'm gonna go with nick nick chubb um you know a reliable running back that uh i think he's got another uh great year ahead of him right it was uh you know just a year ago when you know we i, I think he was competing uh with with king henry um kind of who is that best running back in the league. But I think as a pure runner, I think Nick Chubb proved that last year. Um, but guess what? In, in 2023, he comes back with a better QB um, situation. Uh, still has a great line. Um, I, I think that just lines up for more scoring opportunities, so that's great. He's going to get the yards every year. Um, he gets his attempts. He now does not have Kareem Hunt to compete with anymore. Um, so I think if he can actually have a career high in rushing touchdowns, um, i think he's he's gonna have a great season so my stud in the afc north um is Nick Chubb
1: yeah uh couldn't, couldn't agree more especially with the uh the running back landscape as it is these younger uh backs that are looking for contracts they're uh obviously a risk to miss time or hold out or whatever it is a guy like Nick Chubb is steady in his spot has the contract and it's just Gonna go out there and and play ball this year with no worries to uh, fantasy managers. So a nice call there. My stud is Lamar Jackson, with who has an ADP of 36 overall QB five. Um, so his ADP is the end of round three. And uh, simply when he's when he's playing and healthy, his ceiling is quarterback one every single week. Uh, he has three first round uh, wide receivers at his disposal now with OBJ. Um, Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers, along with one of the league's premier tight ends in Mark Andrews. They uh, had the seventh most rushing attempts last year and the 28th, and they were 28th in pass attempts. Uh, these numbers are a little skewed as Jackson only played 12 games. But just looking at those numbers, uh, I would assume with Todd Munkin, uh, the pass attempts are going to go up. Todd Munkin helped lead Georgia to two straight national titles, averaging 40.7 points per game. And uh, Munkin likes to play fast-paced. He likes to create space, uh, and the more space that's that's created um, in his scheme, the more rushing lanes uh, for Lamar, for Lamar Jackson. I think it's also going to open up um, open up himself to a uh, career year throwing the football. Um, so I like how Munken's going to bring this offense to two thousand twenty-three. Uh, last year at Georgia Stetson Bennett even had 10 rushing touchdowns last season so um one can only imagine what Lamar Jackson can do in this offense so I'm very excited with Todd Munkin leading the way on the offensive side to see what Lamar Jackson can do in this uh, new and improved Ravens offense.
0: Two strong calls to start the show there fellas. Chubb's a beast that going he's right on the borderline of the first and second round at the moment ADP as well so. Like you can, you could even get this guy as your second player on your team, which would be just a rock solid start to your draft to draft season this year. Lamar Jackson. I mean, even hit the nail on the head guys, an absolute massive ceiling. Every time he steps on the football field, I I'm in, I'm in invested in a big uh, Lamar campaign this year. I know you guys are too in the various leagues that we're in. So I love that call it as well. My stud here and this one might be kind of obvious with those first two guys coming off the board. is going to be Jamar chase. ADP is three and good for WR two overall and i don't need to go on a long rant about Ch- about chase so i won't uh but the quick the quick points here he's been top 6 in points per game in each of the last two seasons uh those are his only two years in the league thus far he was wr4 overall as a rookie wr12 last season despite missing 7 weeks entering year f- year 3 you can You can just kind of feel that his best days are in front of him as he steps into his prime. He plays in a high-scoring offense with the star quarterback in Joe Burrow. And if you're drafting in the top five in a one QB league, you can select the guy with confidence and build your team around him this season. So those are our studs in the the AFC North. Not really any groundbreaking information there. So we're going to go right into the bust category. And I'll get us started with this one here. Uh My bust here, I, I said some nice things about Jamar Chase and the Cincinnati offense, and I meant it wholeheartedly, but my bust is actually going to be Joe Burrow. ADP of 34, that's the late third round, and QB 4 overall. This is really hard for me to say because I love Joe Burrow as an NFL quarterback, and I actually think he's ranked properly in almost every format. If you're talking Superflex super flex Leagues in, in – Redraft, Superflex Dynasty leagues, he's an early, very early pick in those drafts, I think that's a perfect spot for him. Best ball, I think he's awesome because he is going to have spike weeks. The only place I think he's a little too expensive is in one QB redraft leagues with four points per pass and touchdowns, which is what we're talking about here. So that's why I'm bringing him up as a bust. Just really, the, the cost is, is a big part to do with it. Um, but I do think he's going to have a good season could be a mid range QB one again, but this one's all about the price point. Like I said, it's late third round here in this range. There's just a number of running backs and wide receivers that I'd rather put on my roster and just could kind of kind of continue to build and fill up my team as I go. And if you're willing to wait just one more round, you can get in on quarterbacks like Justin Herbert or Justin Fields. Both of those guys are likely going to have a higher rushing floor for you this season. And both those guys have, um, so this guy has gotten a really improved array of, array of weapons and Herbert just added another weapon himself and uh, Quinton Johnson in the draft, along with a good offensive coordinator and Kellen Moore. So I think I'd rather be a little bit more patient and grab one of those guys. while I add another receiver or a running back to help my team right now. And I don't want to be prisoner of the moment on Joe Burrow's cap strain as it doesn't look like he's going to miss any regular season time, but he did run for 257 yards and five scores on the ground last year, giving us a little bit more production on the ground than you'd think for a guy who can stand in the pocket and win. So if his mobility is compromised, all that production is going to come from the pocket, which is very much in the realm of possibilities for him. He does have the talent and the weapons around him to overcome mobility concerns. Like, but the guy, he has to throw for a ton of yards. We're talking to like 4,500 or so yards, maybe 40 plus touchdowns for him to return value uh as a top three or four QB coming off the board. So as much as I like the player, as much as I like where he's ranked in various formats, he's just a little bit too expensive for me at, at the at the early part or the late part of round three. So, those are my thoughts on Burrow, Aaron. Where, to, where do you think about that? And give me your, what's don't you go ahead and give me your bust in the in the north as well?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess as a Chiefs fan, I, I kind of like that. But um, you know, talking fantasy here, I, I think you know we've had a couple of shows with startup drafts and whatnot. I think from a from the drafting perspective i think you're spot on i you know i think there's a couple quarterbacks that i would be just as happy to have especially this year with herbert and some other guys um i'll get into that a little later too but um couldn't agree with you more from a startup um perspective if you have burrow i would say like don't be in a panic and try to trade him um i i I still think he you know he'll still put up numbers this year um probably throw over the 4500 yards as you said but um if you're drafting, uh definitely take the commission's uh advice there. Um, but for my bus, I'm actually going to the Ravens offense. I'm going with uh OBJ, Odell Beckham, signing that huge contract, uh coming off a year where uh he actually didn't play. <laughs> so I did not play, signed that, you know, massive one-year deal. Already talking about this may be his last year. Um, I mean, this isn't a money deal. I don't know what is. Um, he's got to learn a new. Offense, um, you know, new quarterback, you know, new walking in new organization, right? After you, you just simply did not play. Yes, we know his past, you um, know, that that he can put out, um, you know, some highlight plays here and there. But I think OBJ, um, considering some guys actually as teammates, you can get below him with Bateman and uh, Zay Flowers and and rounds uh, below him, um, make OBJ a bust uh, category here. Um, you know, I think also, you know, a big thing is that he may be lining up against the, um, CB ones on the, on the, against the defense. Right. And, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, I do know, uh, he's bulked up a little bit, but that's not really his game. His game has always been, you know, the quick, quick twitches and, um, just nice, um, route running and using that speed. Um, you never know, you know, not playing for that season and, and tearing his ACL, um, you know, with players with using those strengths to their abilities. I'm not, I'm not so keen on that, uh, this year. Right. So I actually think it may open up opportunities for, um, his, his, the, his counterparts and not to mention Mark Andrews just came off, uh, um, you know, a, a four year with Lamar Jackson in 2021 at 154 targets. So massive, um, you know, uh, targets that get looked at, um, with Mark Andrews as well as being that number one target there. So I say stay away from OBJ.
1: Um, He's my bust in the uh,
2: AFC North.
0: Ethan, are you punting on an Odell resurgence as well?
1: I don't think I'm punting on it based on his ADP. I mean, he's wide receiver 48, 116 overall. So that's the 10th round, uh, I believe, which isn't, which isn't bad to take a dart throw. I think I would much rather have uh, Zay Flowers or Bateman just because I like the upside of the younger receivers, Um, especially, I mean, Zay Flowers is getting a lot of hype in camp, but um, they're they're also they're pretty um close together in ADP, as I said. Uh, OBJ's 116, Bateman's 122, and Zay Flowers is 124. Out of all three, I'd probably take the cheapest one and Zay Flowers, uh, just because he's the unknown, um, he's been getting some hype and. Rashad Bateman just can't prove prove to us that he can stay healthy and OBJ who knows how he's going to uh, be coming off his injuries his missed season he's, he's older uh, as Aaron alluded to it's a new offense so um, I don't I don't hate OBJ at his ADP but I definitely I'm definitely not one of these guys sitting here thinking that he's going to uh, blow up this year so um, I'm probably not going to have a lot of OBJ at all this year.
0: I'll have no shares of OBJ at this price point. Just looking down the list of the guys going behind him at his position, guys like Cortland Sutton, Elijah Mitchell, uh, a little bit further down the board here. You can even get – if you want to tuck yourself into Jamison Williams, you can, or even Elijah Moore, who I'm pretty high on too. So at least a few of those guys I'd rather take shots on in this range of the draft where I'm just shooting for upside. You you know, Odell, the long-term pass is great. The short-term pass, even like, you know, last three or four years or so, he hasn't really fully – Given you a full season worth of greatness that he that he showed early on in his career, so at this stage of the game, I'm I'm not chasing those those distant memories at this point. I'd rather pivot to other guys I think who are going to be bigger pieces of their offense and pieces that I can I can bank on to at least give me a chance to outperform this ADP. So if you want to take a shot on Odell, go for it. But personally, I'm not uh, overly optimistic. But Ethan, give me a give me a guy who you're not overly optimistic on for 2023.
1: I'm lower on George Pickens in 2023. He's coming in at overall 87 in ADP, wide receiver 36, um which is uh overall it's a, it's the eighth round and uh the back a back end wide receiver 3. And I just don't see um I just don't I I feel like at this ADP at wide receiver 36, you're kind of drafting him uh, towards the ceiling. I I get, he has, he does have upside. I understand that. And, and people are projecting him to take a step. I'm just, I'm just not a big Pickens guy. Um, once Claypool got traded last year, weeks nine through 18, um, he never eclipsed more than six targets. He only had a 15.6% target share on the entire season last year. Um, they brought in Allen Robinson, uh, Calvin Austin is returning from injury. I think they're going to have a uh, pretty good uh, running game with Jalen Warren and Najee Harris, and obviously you have a top ten tight end in Pat Fryermuth. So uh, I just think with an offense led by Kenny Pickett, is is Kenny Pickett going to be able to uh, produce a top ten tight end? Uh, what I think is going to be a top fifteen wide receiver in Deontay Johnson, and then have a guy like Allen Robinson and George Pickens kind of competing for that number two spot. Are the targets going to be kind of evenly distributed with those guys? I'm I'm just not sure how it's going to work out. So I think a back end wide receiver three is uh, going to be picking ceiling, pickings ceiling this year. Um, Last year. I mean, he had eight weeks outside the top 50. Uh, he did have nine in the top uh, 24, which isn't which isn't which isn't too bad. But I mean, like half the year, he was just unstartable. Un- so I just think uh, the way Pickens game is he's going to be used more. He, he was kind of used as their deep threat last year. He was seventh in deep targets and he was 19th in air yards and had the third highest a dot in the league last year. Um, which, which sounds great, but as I mentioned, this kind of indicates that Pickens is going to be used potentially as the field stretcher, big play wide receiver. And he, that's, I think that's how he's going to have to make, um, his, his, fantasy points because, uh, he, he barely had uh, separation last year, only 1.35 yards of separation, which was nine, which is not 94th amongst wide receivers. So he's a guy that needs to go up and get it, um, get those jump balls to have consistent fantasy, fantasy weeks. And I, I'm just not sure if uh, uh, Kenny Pickett's going to be able to come through for him, even though I do think Kenny Pickett is uh, is is, is going to take a, a step up. I, I just think Pickens, I, I'd rather go in a different direction, um, I, I think, at that ADP. I mean, people... Uh, players in that in that area. You you have Gibson, you have Traylon Burks, you have uh, Jordan Addison, J- even Jahan Dotson, who's the clear number two on his team, and uh, Traylon Burks is right in that area. So uh, for me, I, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna pass if uh, Pickens is on the clock in round eight.
0: I'm gonna pass on him as well. And it's a good point that you make about Kenny Pickett. If you're high on Deontay bounce back, if you have pri- fat prior move, you know whatever tight end seven to ten range, you know, and you're also gonna bake in. Pickens taking a leap up to WR2 status. I mean, I feel like it's a lot to ask of for a team that, you know, wants to pound the ball a lot. Um, So I I agree on those points as well. If Pickens is going to massively outperform this i mean make sure maybe he finishes as like a mid-range wr3 and outperforms it a little bit but to really move the needle i just think this guy's going to have to have a massive td spike and it's not that's not something i'm willing to bet on either because if i look at him get red zone targets last year he only had six of them on the whole season and we're not talking about a guy who missed a big chunk of the earth and injury he actually played all 17 weeks and only saw six targets into the end zone so maybe pittsburgh throws a little bit more i just don't love uh pickens here at his cost so i, I like this i agree with you I like this call it a lot. Aaron, talk to me about Pickens. I know he wasn't a guy we were super high about coming out of last year's draft in our conversations. Do you kind of feel the same way, or has your tune changed on him somewhat heading into 2023?
2: No, I think, I think you guys are on, on it there with, uh, it really depends how well Pickett plays. Yes. I do think that uh, Pickett had, you know, some nice momentum towards the end of the year, Um you know something that you know just is constantly in in my mind with fantasy in this division and the AFC North is come playoff time the weather's crap right so it's like year after year you always see those games where you know they're punt they punt a million times a game and there's no passing game right so if you got to waste like maybe your ninth round pick on Pickens yes he may have some nice weeks. Uh, for you throughout the year but maybe come playoff time you're probably not going to start them when that when that weather is below zero and you know 20 mile per hour winds uh, that that that's something to think about too um so that that's um that's what i would say on uh on pickings here
0: got it talk to me about someone who things of flying a little bit under the radar at this time of year here who are your who's your sleeper in the MC north
2: Ooh, sleepers. So the this this is the convo I like here. Um I'm gonna go with um, a guy we brought up a couple times uh this time of the year last year. Um, but more more of a stash candidate. Uh this year, um I'm going with Jerome Ford as a sleeper. Yes. Um I know I, Yes <laughs> Yes. Commission. Got it. So, um, he was also one of my boys coming from that Cincinnati team, uh, that made, made it to the the champ, the the playoffs and in, in, in college football. So, um, you know, Ford was a talented running back, you know, on a team that had quite a bit of depth, uh, at, at the running back position, uh, with the Browns. Right. So I, I mentioned, I like Chubb as a stud. Um, but there are going to be a lot of vacated targets with uh cream hunt, um, leaving you know the cream hunt in that offense had 40 to 50 targets uh per year right so which, which is pretty nice for a running back as a you know a running back that you, you, you split reps with right so um jerome ford had a lot of um um uh, i guess time last year where they wanted to get him out on the field as a, a as a um kick returner and then what that told me last year is like they they kind of were setting him himself up for 2023 for this role so i do think um they're trying to make him that rb2 on the team um but i also think he'll get a lot of chances you know he'll he'll relieve nick chubb he'll um you know also reports in in uh camp is saying that he's um you know running routes really well right so he may get some of those targets targets from a cream hunt so this is where maybe he moves from that stash candidate to actually scoring points you know we're going to be talking best ball in a couple weeks too he may have some nice um you know decent best ball weeks and then of course if there's an unfortunate um injury to chubb i think uh ford can uh take the reins pretty well over there in cleveland um so jerome ford is my sleeper candidate here
0: the reason I was so excited when and Aaron said Jerome Ford's name is that this was almost like a full 365 uh call out for me. Where last year we were when we were talking about NFC North, I was telling you that he was uh, he was my NFC North stash candidate, someone you could you could park on your bench or your taxi squad and and just be patient with. And now you fast forward one year and he's the second guy in line here behind Nick Chubb. I mean, the rest of this depth chart consists of guys like John Kelly and Demetrik Felton. So guys that aren't you know certainly aren't high profile names so we know this offense likes to to use to utilize multiple backs even in a complementary role Ford should have some standalone value and like Aaron said even if disaster strikes and Nick Chubb goes down then Ford's going to walk into a, a workload and what's been a, a favorable run offense to running backs so I'm uh I'm optimistic on Ford I remain optimistic on Ford especially given what's not in front of him at the depth chart, outside of Nick Chubb. So, Ethan, give me your uh, give me your thoughts on Ford, and then give me uh, someone that you thinks undervalued right now.
1: I think Ford's a great call. Just looking at that depth chart, like you said, there's really nobody else to really compete with him for the RB two role, and that role has been pretty fruitful in years past. Uh, Hunt really couldn't get it done last year, and, and Jerome Ford had a nice little career at Cincinnati. And um, the fact that they didn't bring anybody of note in. Indicates to me that the Cleveland Browns are uh, confident in Jerome Ford's ability and the and his uh, his role as the uh, clear cut back behind um, Nick Chubb. So I, I like that call. Uh, I'm going to um, stay with the running back position. My sleeper is Jalen Warren of the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, overall, 143 ADP. That's RB 50. And uh, I just, I really liked what I saw from Jalen Warren last year. I thought he looked at times like the more explosive back than Najee Harris. I mean, at 58 207 pounds, 31.5 BMI, which is the 80th percentile. Uh, he can carry uh, the workload if Harris does get hurt. And Warren was a very efficient runner last year. Um, yards created per touch, which is uh, all yards above and beyond what was blocked per carry and reception and reception and generated by the runner after first evaded tackle um, was 3.82 yards which was number five which was number five overall um Naja Harris uh, was 2.3 2.13 yards which was number 45 so a big difference there uh true yards per carry uh discounts runs greater than 10 yards um, Warren was at 4.7 which is number 12 number 12 among runbacks uh Naja Harris 3.7 yards which is number 59. Yards per touch, Jalen Warren, 5.6, 11th overall, Harris, 4.0, 52 overall. Then the breakaway run rate uh, percentage of carries of 15 yards or more. He had a 6.5%, which was number 16 overall to Harris is 2.6%, which is number 51 overall. So, as, I mean, obviously, the numbers are skew heavily to Warren. I understand, obviously, the efficiency is going to go down as Harris was a complete workhorse last year with uh, 65.1% of the snap share to Warren's 31.6. So I, I understand uh, Warren should should be more efficient, but those numbers are, are are pretty dramatic. And I think it does prove that Warren – Um, does belong in the NFL and and was, was an efficient, was very efficient when given the opportunity. And as I said, I I thought he looked very good when, when he touched the ball. Uh, I I think, um, I I think he can force the Steelers into like more like a 45, 55% snap share, uh, next year with him and Harris. I mean, Warren really started to take off at, at, at the tail end of the year. Uh, I mean, the Steelers started off two and six and they, they finished the season on a seven, two run. And Warren was, was a big reason for that. So uh, I think if Warren can uh, build, build upon that and uh, go into this year and and kind of force the Steelers to get him on the field more, I I think, uh, I think Warren could be a a pretty sneaky play, especially if he's the clear cut third down back, which he, he essentially, um, relegated Najee Harris to first and second down last year towards the, ba- towards the back end of the season. So I think Warren can, can get his 10 to 10 to 12 carries or whatever, and but still, and, and then still have the third down role. So and if, if that's the case, I, I think he can uh, pay dividends at his ADP.
0: I like the Warren call out. He's a good, he's a player that earned more work and has earned more work in the future based on the limited sample that he showed as a rookie, you know, Najee Harris is a guy they've just absolutely run into the ground to start his career in the first two seasons, and you know maybe they're just content to do that and ride him out the way they did Le'Veon Bell, but I think it would actually preserve Najee a little bit, keep him a little bit fresher for those, those December games that Aaron was referencing in the NFC North where it really turns into a bar fight out there. So you want to have your players, your, your better players rested and ready to go for those late-season games when it actually matters. And I think Warren getting more work, out there, whether it's on first or second down or those third down reps, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, they need to get him out there more. And he actually took on 281 touches in his final season in college at Oklahoma State. So he has shown us at least at the college level that he can remain somewhat efficient at just under five yards per carry, um, even with a bigger workload. So we'll see what comes for him um, this season, Pittsburgh, but he's a guy I'm I'm holding on to some shares of and uh, I'm hoping that he, he pans out in a big way. Uh, My sleeper here, I'm going to go back to the Browns. I'm going to go to Elijah Moore. His ADP is 117, good for WR47 at the moment. um, I just think this is an absolute bargain for Moore who's being drafted in round 10 as a borderline WR5 on your fantasy team, which is kind of nuts. He joins the Browns after an up-and-down couple seasons to start out with the Jets. I'm on record as being high high on a Deshaun Watson bounce back, but I know even others on here or others in the industry aren't as high on Watson coming back to – to what he used to be. I mean, you have to at least agree that what he had, what he is, is a massive upgrade over what he had with the Jets, catching balls from the likes of Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco and Mike White. And when I when I think of more, I I still think think back to that five game stretch he had as a rookie that was just two years ago, where he saw forty five targets for twenty eight catches, three hundred and ninety two yards and five touchdowns before an injury ended his season, and it was just electric. It looked like he was going to break out right there. Um, it wasn't meant to be there with, with a mess of a situation in New York, but he gets he gets a new uh new start to his career here in Cleveland. Amari um, Cooper does figure to be this team's top target getter this season, but the number two job really is wide open. Um Cleveland did not trade three first round picks for Deshaun Watson to continue to hand the ball off. If they wanted to just keep handing the ball to Chubb or Hunt or Jerome Ford now that he's going to be the number two guy there. They would have kept Baker Mayfield or went in, into a cheaper direction at quarterback. So this team is going to be more active in throwing the ball. That's what their actions have told us between bringing in other guys in the draft and and getting Elijah Moore here via trade in, in their biggest offseason move. So they were 25th in the league in pass rate last year. So I only see that coming amount coming up. So they, they got to they see what they have in Watson. I think Moore is going to be a benefactor of that. And the absolute worst case here is Worst case here is that Moore gets hurt or maybe he doesn't pan out or whatever the case may be, but this is only the 10th round we're talking about. So there's not, it's not a massive hit rate in the 10th round. You want to swing for upside. This is a good swing for it. And if it doesn't work out, you have three or four other receivers on your team already in all likelihood that can pick up the slack. So Aaron, what are your thoughts on uh, on Elijah Moore as a sleeper this year?
2: I like Moore. I think that's a good call out. Um, I think he's a good uh, fit for the team. I think uh, Donovan, Pe- Donovan Peoples Jones was uh I, you know he was the second option last year um had some nice games and nice plays and whatnot but just um you know that's his probably his true competition um but I think the league's showing us that you gotta have three um wide receivers that you're pretty comfortable with week in week out and I think Elijah Moore uh he, he can uh do a lot of danger right I, I think you know lining up in the slot or um, maybe getting some deep, deep shot, especially with having to pay a lot of attention to Cooper over there. I think he's going to have some nice weeks. Um, so I do, I do like the more call out uh, switching gears to uh, stash candidates. I'm I'm kind of hoping this is a, another full so- circle here. Uh, maybe I'll go with the same formula as the Jer- Jerome Ford, Ford call out uh, of last year. All right. So I'm gonna say is my stash. I'm gonna say Chase Brown with the Bengals. Okay, another running back, uh, another good little prospect uh, coming out of um, Illinois. I think you guys? Uh, I think you wrote a couple of blogs on him. We brought him up as a kind of just a guy to keep an eye on. Um, and he landed as far as landing spots. I think you know with the Bengals. Some people were crossing their fingers with what was going on with Mixon's uh, legal case and, and this and that that he that uh, Brown could potentially be that starter but you know I think with Mixon kind of restructuring his contract and um, you know being that starter I think this kind of puts him back in this uh, stash candidate um, uh, category here but I I do think Chase Brown has got um, you know he's really got writing on the wall just a similar case of Jerome Ford where um, maybe even slightly better where he doesn't have as many you know backs to compete with I, I I actually think he'll solidify himself as that RB2 role over with Cincinnati and shoot if he can return some kicks uh like I said that gets him on the field a little bit as well so um Chase Brown and I I think he's a, a great handcuff for Mixon uh, on a team that is a, a a playoff team right so I do like getting running backs on winning teams right you just are just increasing your chances usually for uh scoring and touchdown upside so um, I'm gonna say Chase Brown as my stash in this division.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a good call with Chase Brown. He's a very athletic back, um, and I think he can definitely compete with touches, compete for touches in Cincinnati. Uh, he had a 4-4-3-40 four, four, four. at the combine with a forty-inch vertical and a ten-foot-seven broad jump. So he, as I said, he's just uh, um, just an athletic. Uh, specimen. And I believe uh, Travion Williams, Williamson uh, just uh, got caught off the field today. It was either yesterday or today. So that just opens the door for for more touches uh, for Chase Brown. So I know people are high on him. They, lo- they love the uh, landing spot in Cincinnati. And he, he didn't get, I mean, ideal draft capital. But hey, if he's uh, running back on a 53, there's opportunity. And with the way uh, Mixon wasn't, uh, I guess, welcomed back with open arms. I would say just, I mean, everybody thought he was basically done in Cincinnati. He ends up coming back. Uh, I don't think, uh, I think Mixon's best days are behind him. And I think Chase Brown is, uh, definitely gonna have opportunity to carve himself, uh, a role in a very high powered Cincinnati Bengals offense. So, uh, with that, I will go to my stash. I'm going to stay in Pittsburgh. Um, I feel like all I have is Pittsburgh Steelers over here, but I'm going to um, say Calvin Austin, uh, who's wide receiver, 138, um, a.k.a. free. Uh, he's not really getting drafted in uh, in redraft leagues, but I just think he's a decent stash. Um, I do think he's going to be able to get his opportunity this year um, to compete for, for um, targets in the slot. Uh, he's been talked up by his teammates in a very positive light. And he has a very, very good athletic profile. He misses, he missed his uh, rookie year with a foot injury. Uh, He was having a pretty good 2022 camp until his season uh, was ended with that injury. But I mean, we're talking 4.32 kind of speed, uh, 39 inch vert, 11 foot three broad, 407 shuttle, 6.653 cone. I mean, all that equals just freak athlete, and and Pittsburgh, if they can do one thing, it's it's develop wide receivers. So I, I know Allen Robinson's there through twenty twenty four, but if if Calvin Austin shows something this year, um, and can work himself into a role, I uh, you never know, and that's what these stashes are for. Uh, they're dart throws. They're 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 players that sit at the end of your bench, and you just you're just hoping. But uh, I do like uh the Calvin Austin, um. Profile. He's he's a little small, but I love that athleticism, and I I, I do like his uh, situation.
0: Yeah, I, I like him as a player too. I'm, I'm holding on to him a couple places. Uh, Allen Robinson will not be on this team past 2023. They can save over 10 million dollars in cap space by moving on from him, and it's under two million dollars in dead cap space to do so. So that I mean the, that guy's lucky he's in the league right now after the, <laughs> what he's done the last couple of years. So um, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Calvin Austin is running ahead of him by the time this season comes to an end. And a-, a Rob's just a guy that we used to know. Um, but I'm gonna stick with the Cleveland Browns for my uh for my stash in Dynasty. I'm gonna go to Cedric Tillman, uh big body target, 6'3, 215. Tillman was productive in the SEC over at Tennessee a couple seasons ago. I had 64 receptions for just over a thousand yards and 12 scores, catching passes from Hendon Hooker. Um, you know, between Cooper, Elijah Moore, DPJ, David Bell, there are bodies in front of him right now, but if you fast forward just one season into the future which is kind of what you have to do with a lot of these stash plays. Uh Cooper's going to be 30 years old. Uh, People's Jones is going to be a free agent and you know if Cooper's contract is one they can get into out of easily if, enough if they want to. Um after that after the season, we'll see where they do on that, but I think uh he was drafted to be a People's Jones replacement, another big bodied receiver who can win uh with contested contested catches on the outside. If this offense comes together this season like I expected to, I just think I think you're going to be you're going to want pieces of this unit. And sometimes in Dynasty, you need to get a share of players that you think are going to fall into teams that are in that category a year before the hype starts. That's what the end of your bench is for in Dynasty. That's what your taxi squad spots are for. And I believe this that, that Tillman fits the mold for that type of player who's very affordable. He goes in the third round of rookie drafts right now. So you know we've seen cases in leagues too that we play in guys where he actually didn't even get drafted and he was getting picked up off off uh, off the waivers with Fab. So if he there's a chance he might still be out there. If not, maybe he's someone you could kick the tires on or have him tossed into a, a bigger deal as kind of like a small little add in player. So just get cheap get shares on the cheap now if you can um, stash him in hope. And if he doesn't work out, then move on to another guy in a year or two from now. So. That's where I'm at on my guy, Cedric Tillman. Uh, Aaron, uh, what do you th- What are your thoughts on him? And then who are you hanging on to uh, in hopes that they break out in the future?
2: I guess I'll just comment on both here with Austin and Tillman. I think those are both examples of, uh, you know, in the stash category, I think at, especially at the wide receiver, I think what you're hoping for is at least let them be, you know, let them went out to be the wide receiver four on the team um, to get, they, they do get out there and get some reps and get some real, um, playing time throughout the season and, and come up with a couple nice, um, maybe touchdown grabs and maybe two to three scores would be great. You know, that's what you're really looking for, um, because that's enough for the team to kind of hold on to so that they, so they don't draft, um, you know, high capital in, um, you know, in the future drafts, right. They can go in another position. So I think if those guys can beat out, um, at least, you know, grab that fourth uh, spot on the depth chart. And then yeah, they're really the next man up if an injury happens then then uh, now you're cooking with some uh, grease at that point right so um i i i think both of those guys are both uh, good call outs for that type of uh, situation and stash um candidates but uh no uh, i'm i'm actually pretty happy with my uh chase brown call out i'm gonna stick with uh, my boy chase and and hopefully he's uh he um you know, he's carving out a, a big piece of um, that Cincinnati offense this year in 23.
0: Love it. Love it. That's a, this is a fun division to watch every year, just for us being fans of football before we were ever into fantasy. You know, when you think football, you think hard hitting and tough cold weather games. And that's what this division brings every single year. So it's, and I feel like it's that race is always competitive too, most seasons down the stretch. So it's fun to watch those late season games where those teams are just leaving. their all out there. And, uh, it's really good and good to watch from a football standpoint. And there's a lot of fantasy relevant guys that fit that mold too. So fun to run down that one. Uh, we're gonna finish up the uh, the northern part of the division divisional picture here with the NFC North in our next episode. So stay tuned for that. And until next time, folks, peace.